Hi, I'm Luke Campbell. I work for a small wine company, and he's Luke Morris. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at emails. <laughs> and together we are Luke's Talk Wine, who talk all things wine and booze and popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello to the listening audience, and hello, Luke Morris. G'day, Campbell. Um, what's been happening? What are, what are we doing this week? What, what's going Mate, on? This week, I'm up and about. We've got it. It's all happening, and it is a power-packed show. Um, we you pick really up- make this show sound fantastic. Every every week, it's power-packed. It's happening. It's chock-a-block. It's an incredible show we offer. It is absolutely an incredible show. In light of our more recent sponsor acquisition in Unbottled Wine, I'm going to be talking to you about the very pertinent question, actually. Is Australia ready to move on from our goon-soaked past? And would you drink bag-in-box wine again? Because I know you've drank it before. That'll be the first chapter, <laughs> first, the first topic of the day. Sounds slightly and- accusational. I know you've had plenty of that before. <laughs> well, you and I have discussed good of fortune on the show before, so it'll be excellent to visit that and revisit uh, uh, oh, that coming up God. shortly. Did but we talk also- about goon in the breasts to get into fancy dress parties? <laughs> we might do later on. And you and, want to get rid of that, you and your weird man. All right, keep going. And then I want to talk about what is Australia's darling variety or favourite variety? Is Shiraz back? Is Shiraz back? I, I kind of want to drill down in that. It was a question that posed what got posed to me recently. And I thought in days gone by, I would have gone, oh, you know, it's that big buttery Chardonnay. And then, you know, early in the 90s, I would have gone, oh, it's that big black, you know, Shiraz or Cabernet. Then for a while, it was Grenache. Today, I want to talk to you about what is Australia's favourite variety. I'm sure we'll have listener questions and everything else that's going on as normal. And we'll talk about what we've been drinking as well. But um, Luke Morris, how have you started the week? Ah, um, sort of gingerly. Eurovision was on the weekend, and uh, yes. plenty of fun was had watching Eurovision. We made some borscht, which oh, wow. is a um, effectively like a beetroot soup that's very popular in Ukraine. Um, and so we we always make something from the the land of the host nation, even though. Uh, uh, the UK hosted on um, Ukraine's behalf this year. And Bosch, oh, I've never had it before. And I'll tell you what, it's going in the recipe book. That's a tick. That yeah, right. that really was so surprised. All we did was have a steak and a bowl of Boshies, like a, a, a chunky beetroot soup. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it was the recipe I had or just the 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 bottle of Shiraz I had before we had it, it was great. And it just <laughs> you just you just cut up a piece of steak, have a sip of soup. Ah, oh, it was just a. I've never done any sort of meal like that before. I'm doing it again at some point in life, though. Oh. Outstanding, and, and and borscht as well as beetroot soup, and presumably you garnish it with 
creme fraiche or, or, yes. or something like that. What, what yeah. else goes in borscht without giving away trade secrets in the whole recipe? Maybe we can put the recipe up in the notes later. But what what is borscht apart from beetroot? Does it have some liquor in it or stock? Or <laughs> Yes, uh, there was some beef stock. Look, I got my recipe. A friend of mine's Ukrainian. I asked, what's a good recipe? Because the last time Ukraine hosted, I went online and just found a whole lot of potato recipes. <laughs> <laughs> and I got I got told off for not being creative enough, and I pointed them to the rest to, to the website and said, "That's Ukraine's fault. Don't blame me." <laughs> <laughs> so we did just just by and by. We did have some potato fritters afterwards. Um, what would you match with potato fritters, Campbell? Just out of interest. Buttery chardonnay. Convert stramina, I think. Convert <laughs> right stramina and potato cake. Yum. Anyway, moving on. Bosch. Uh, the Hairy Bikers was the first choice that came up on Google search as a recipe. Yes. And I showed that to a friend and they got angry with me because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Ukrainian recipe, but I used it anyway. Uh, it was just a selection of soup, soupish kind of items. So, yes, classic uh, Ukrainian potato was in there, but uh, <laughs> celery and carrot and uh, beef stock. And uh, uh, three sizes of um, beetroot, and just sort of let it, let it, let it, let it do its just to this mingling, intermingling best for about thirty minutes or so, and serve it up in a way, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and so, but no, no, who he no, was your uncle? Yeah. And no, no, no wine or Nolly Pratt or, or um, no, just straight up beef stock was the liquor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, there was any. Um... Like I can tell you that we had a uh, a glass of port, um, because why not? Yeah, <laughs> had some tawny port. I told some mates the next day we woke up and I looked at the bottle and I told them that uh, port's port's forgotten as one of the world's greatest nightcaps. All you really need is, is a tawny port will last pretty much unchanged, open on your on your mantelpiece for six months. You can have it just a sip of port every so often as a nightcap. And so what I want to know is how many nights have I stayed? Because that bottle is empty. <laughs> Fair bump. Play on. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, poor, well, bring that, it back, I say. That, that sounds like a wicked fun time because I, I must admit – um, you know, you don't see it much out here, but certainly in Europe, borscht would pop up, you know, on on the 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 village cafe menu from oh, time to time. You know, yeah. like it was a bit bit of a rib rib stickler, like it would warm you uh, from the bottom from the cockles. And uh, so I'm glad you had fun, little fun with it, and a bit of Eurovision. That's excellent action. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just that was the amazing thing. Someone said why borscht, and I said I don't know, and I looked it up, and yeah, it's. They they list it as like a real staple for every sort of meal. If it's, if they were listing it for birthdays, anniversaries, wakes, everything. I thought it's just beetroot soup. How much fun can this be? A lot of fun. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> I love it. That's excellent news, Luke. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit Luke Morris. Ha. Dot com dot au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. 
That's lukemorrisha.com.au L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au Have a great day. So our first topic this week is would you drink good wine from a box? Can we move on from our goon-soaked past is the question I'm creating in light of our new, brand-new sponsor, which is Unbottled Wines. These guys are doing ultra-premium wine, seasonally created in a box, and they're delivering it to your door. If you use the code, like the ad says, vinified at checkout, you'll get an unbeatable discount. But in the short term, Luke, I want to ask you one first question. When was the last time you tried anything from a box? Uh-huh. <laughs> anything from a box? Oh, I had anything. <laughs> I should mean wine wise. I can't. Wine wise. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to say I had an up and go yesterday morning. That was in a box. <laughs> That, then that's the thing. I suppose if you if you draw that kind of bow, bow, there's heaps of stuff we have out of boxes that's completely fine. It's just uh, human taste, human um, uh, perception that draws the line. Well, it's not. It's, it's, it's human. It's history has tainted the box. History has tainted the box. What, what I love about it is now, in present day, it's sustainable. It can make the decision for you. Like if you're at home and someone wants white and the other person wants red, well, then you can open because you've got the boxes, you can open it. If you only want one glass, you can have a box because you can seal it. It's already sealed. It lasts for 40, 50 days on the shelf, no problems. And it's sustainable. It's made from cardboard. So it's lightweight and you can recycle it easily and a lot cheaper than what you can glass. Oh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, transportable is the yes. other thing. It's lower uh, uh, fuel costs in transport. Um, yeah, I, I spoke to a, a, a bottling expert many years ago and he, he said there is no real doubt that uh, a, a bladder is the best system for transporting and consuming wine because of the fact that it seals as you pour it and, and it uh, is lighter weight and all of these sorts of things. It's purely perception. And, you know, that's it. It's, it, it reminds me heavily of the amount of unjustified pushback that consumers had to screw cap closures on bottles. And I yep. said, oh, no, it's, it's not as good as cork. And even though cork as, a, as an item has so many faults to it and is well known for not being as good as a screw cap in the industry, but it took until I think it was um, Adarangi Pinot. Adarangi put their, their, their Pinot under screw cap and it sort of was a game changer because then automatically everyone went, oh, that's a great Pinot. I want to drink that Pinot and I'm going to have to accept screw cap if I'm going to have that. All right. I guess we're going to have to accept screw cap. And that's because it was a premium product finally that was in that closure. And that's the problem with bladder. Most wines that everybody has had with bladders have all been dodgy. (laughs) Well, and I think this is where Unbottled are changing the game. They are 
putting premium wines in it. Their first release has got like a five-star Halliday winemaker. Um, you and I have had his wines before, um, Br- Brash Higgins. So Brash Higgins is the first winemaker that Unbottled have teamed up with, and they're sourcing some of his reds, one of his whites, yep. and they are putting ultra-premium wine, like wines that you know normally would be you know $50, $40 and $50 a bottle. They're putting them in a box. So I'm applauding these guys. These guys are having a go, and they are putting – Good wines in box. I'd try it. Have you had? Have you? And you, have you tried it? Sorry, I have tried. I I have, I have tried the wines. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Two thumbs so up. I, 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 I was amazed. So I um, yeah, yeah. There was no departure from what I would thought of flavor or character wise. Um, not not at all. Prior to prior to unbottled wines and tasting those wines in the box. The last wines, if you were to ask me what was the last wines I had in a box, were actually, they were both imported. One was a white wine from the Douro Valley in Portugal. Oh, yeah. And, and the other was a red blend from Ribera del Duero in Spain. And they were both really accessible wines. They were in 1.5-litre casks, and so not quite 2-litre casks, so smallish casks. Magnums. And they were both really fresh and really vibrant. I really, um, you know, I found them to be quite accessible and I also found them to last quite a long time. These weren't top shelf wines. Like I know for a fact the wines that Unbottles are using are top shelf. But I, I just, yeah, I just think it's an invention that we created. Why aren't we being parochial and just getting behind it? I, well, I'm, I'm curious, two things, two, two topics. To put to, to you on that one is can it age because that's the, the, the historically the problem with the uh, bladder system is that it, it doesn't age it, it doesn't contain an age um, as well as glass so it's just interesting it would be interesting to know if it can and I mean the wines you've talked about from Europe are specifically wines that you don't tend to have sitting on the shelf or, or, the, or in the cellar for a year because they drink now prospects and and the second question would be, it's very interesting that you got wines from Europe like that. And is that a trend? Is there a bigger trend overseas? Well, it it is it is a big trend over overseas, particularly in those larger regions that are normally they would be table wines, effectively, as you said. They're not wines that are meant to age, and they're looking at ch- cheaper ways. Um, sustainable ways to export their product to a market that is that is um, something them, and in this case, they're shipping out you know their accessible blends that would be by the glass options in restaurants or you know um, pouring glasses in wine bars or whatever. And you know, in Italy, they'd be vinted at Tavola, but same table wine in Spain and very very accessible. The first, back to the first question, do they age? Well, no, because they're sealed in a bladder, because they're sealed in a bladder, there is no uh, possibility of the wine growing. There's no ingress or egress as far as through the cork. There's no access to oxygen to allow those microbes to, 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 to grow and evolve. So effectively, by taking away any oxygen in the bladder, you have 
stunted the growth of the wine, which is a living, breathing thing. Stunted's probably not the best word, but it's the one I can find at the moment. But is, isn't that the same as screw cap? Well, no, because screw cap, if you and I put screw cap on Luke Talks Wine, Mad Hatter's Shiraz, we can decide on what ingress we like to have. How so? Well, you, you can buy, you can have it 0.9 ingress, you can have it 0.1 ingress. 0.1 ingress is loads of air, 0.9 is it's almost locked. Oh, when you put the seal on, you can still have an ingress. Yeah, when, when we or, yeah when we order our stealth enclosures, we can um, order what sort of ingress we like. I didn't know they had that ability. Mm. I thought that was just yes. a, a solid seal, much like dipping a, 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 a bottle in a in racks. You, you can buy solid steel ones that are quite inexpensive, but mo- most of the good, most of the good uh, producers that we know of, you know, um, Wild Duck Creek, friends of the program. Um, I don't know, Spiding Gully Road, Friends of the Program, Torbreck, all, all these kind of wineries, great wineries, they, they they put time and effort into their closure, Stelvin closure more, moreover, and they would have an input as to what kind of ingress and egress they want on the capsule. Okay. But going back to the bladder, my question mm. on that is because I understood that if you had uh, the wine, the bladder itself, is of a different chemical makeup. I don't know what the the compounds are, but they don't. Um, they the, 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 they're actually more porous than glass, and therefore you've got more ingress from the outside. You got the whole thing can because it's plastic effectively, and so the plastic, like any kind of plastic, has holes in it, and therefore it can have more ingress throughout the whole packaging. Right. I was unaware. So, so plastic so plastics, plastics are breathable. So this is why you might yes. so yep. yeah. And that well that was my question. Is this of that because you get different grades of plastic. You get everyone everyone would have had the experience where you're holding a plastic bag and it's dripping. And it's like, yeah. how's it getting out? It's because that's a cheap plastic bag, and there's still enough of an of a holes between the the mesh of the fibers that some liquid can get out, which is really annoying if you're holding a yes. steak or something like that, and you've got blood dripping out of the the plastic. And that's that's probably the most noticeable thing that people have seen. If you put a the steak you bought in the fridge or something, and then take it up the next day, and you haven't even opened the bag, and yet there's still a seepage of blood underneath it. Um, yep, and then you can go all the way up to very thick plastic, but it's still it's still a mesh, which I believe is 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 not as secure as glass, which is why we use glass. Yeah, well, I'm um, you know, the 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 sack or the foil, you know, the goon sack for want of a better term, like the the a silver sack. bag. Yeah. Albeit they're disposable, I would assume they're a thicker mesh because um what we refer to as food grade, like the high end of food grade. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So um food grade. That's 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 the perfect use, absolutely. 
No, it's interesting. Yeah, it's just interesting yeah. how far the technology has come with it. Because, like I said, there was problems in the past. There was problems in the past with the quality of the plastic. There was problems in the past mainly, mainly with the quality of the wine. And, you know, the problems of 20 years ago, we, 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 we have electric cars now, Campbell. There's electric cars. So much has changed. Let's, let's, let's look back at things and, and reassess <laughs> our prejudices against them. I think if you if you go back, I, I was looking um, <laughs> when I was doing some research for the show. I was looking at you know the, like the history of Goon, you know, and you get reminded pretty quickly, you know, like of Cooler Bar and you know like <laughs> some, the the Stanley stuff, which still exists today. Like, um, but they they all came like they all came from big names, you know, like Hardys and Engoves and Kaiser Stoll. That's right. Well, see, they're all they were all um Hardy's products, you know, like back in the yeah. day, Thomas Hardy. Like we're talking about sixties, mid sixties, um, sixty five. They came about, but um, the history of goons quite fun. But anyway, the the original question was, would you revisit it? Would you go back and try wine from Goon again, mate? You're talking to a guy who had a had a go at Bosch on the weekend and couldn't believe how good that was. I'm willing to give anything a go. I am I'm I'm a risk taker, I'm a game changer, I'm a market leader. Give us give us give us a bag and a bottle and a bottle and a bag or whatever you want to refer to it as. I'm in. Well played. I'm gonna be a leader. I'm gonna be a change maker. Good one. And if you want to get involved in the show or you want to send through some questions, you can follow us on Instagram at Luke's Talk Wine. Uh you, you can also Send us a carrier pigeon or Luke Morris. What can people do? Oh, to contact us. Don't, yes. we, don't we usually ask people to tap somebody on the shoulder, ask them to pass on a message, spread the word, spread the word about Luke's talk line. And uh, much like a uh, a phone box, is it called phone box or telephone numbers? Because we've changed the word wording of how you play the game when you pass on a message from one person through to the other. And if you pass on that message all the way through, it gets to us. And we might answer a question. Which is exactly what uh, Paul has done <laughs> for the second week in a row. Yeah, Paul much, has sent Paul has sent like, through a question. Much like my example, he sent through a question that I thought was a question and you thought was a question, but we reinterpreted the question incorrectly. <laughs> so we're, we're going to have another go. Luke Morris, what is said question? Okay, so... Uh, the question is: Are you ready for this? This is this is a this is a bit of a paragraph. Yep, I'm ready. Hey guys, I recently bought from a private seller a quality name 2017 Rhone blend from the Barossa. The corks smelt a bit weird, but were showing to be intact. The wine smelt bizarre, impossible to describe like nothing I've ever experienced. It tasted like a weird combination of wine and rubbing alcohol or even methylated spirits. Others there also couldn't describe it aside from someone saying it reminded them of a, a, a rude word, lolly. I've had bad wine in the past, but nothing like this. A second bottle from the same supplier and producer was a cracker. Have you ever experienced something like this 
Yes, I should have stuck to buying my wines from Vinified, exclamation mark. <laughs> well, the first thing there is you, you, you've buried, you've buried the lead there, um, Paul, but buying wines from auction. Is that what he said? Luke a Morris? private seller. Oh, you S- bought it from a S- private seller. S-E-L-L-E-R. Ah, private seller. So it's it's be he's, he's swapped it with a mate or, or whatever, but uh, it's a bit of buyer beware. And so you've got to, one, make sure the wine's intact. You've got to look at things like the capsule, look at things like um, high shoulder marks or where the wine comes up to on the shoulder. So that's the first thing. And then um, going down to aroma compounds, Luke Morris, what's um, where do you want to take this one? Um, oh, I'm just going to throw. It, I'm going to throw it straight straight into the. It's cork. It's got a cork in it. Let's assume that uh, he's shown it to enough enough people, and um, he knows enough about wine to be able to describe what cork taint is. And so, if this wasn't cork taint, it was stripped everything out of the wine, so it could be a major cork taint fault. Um, yes, rubbing alcohol. Being, and methylated spirits being potentially the only tasting taster note that's left. Um, yeah. I don't think you'd have that left of cork tape. But what 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 would your experience be? Because as we discussed earlier, the screw cap is superior for quite a few reasons. One of them is because they don't doesn't contain uh, the cork tape bug that will live inside cork, and you're really playing Russian roulette with your bottles of wine if you put cork in them because. You can't really do much. Well, on, um, on the show, I think it might have been season two, we went through the 17 faults of which 11, <laughs> 11 of them pertain to cork. There we go. But t- t- TCA, like trichloroanisole, is a contaminant, but it aroma spectrum is wide and varied. So some of those aroma compounds that come out, whether they're volatile or whether they're breath, they can all be uh, subjective. Like you might smell, I am very susceptible to volatile acid. I'm not so, so, so uh, like upset about Brettanomyces. Um, so they can become quite subjective. If you say this wine was stripped and it just left a taste of rubbing alcohol, that leads to some kind of, for me, that leads to more kind of oxidization or... Mm some kind of stripping astringency. Um, there can be many. I, I'd say it was probably maybe not TCA, but one or the other um, 10 faults pertaining to the cork. But without getting all too wine nerdy, like TCA is probably the biggest, and it can strip out all the acids, tannins, colours, and flavonoids with it. Yeah. Um, people usually you know, people usually detect something like uh, red cardboard is the most classic thing. So, yeah, well, that's I. I often, for me, I'm. I get that. Um, you know that that horse saddle. It just reminds me of riding horses as a kid. Yep. Um, yeah, but uh, wet cardboard's a big one. That dank water. Um, yeah. If you, I'm I'm a big one. If I'm ever somewhere where there's a large still body of water, it just that TCA smell. Um. Is, is a big one but yeah, yeah. I, I would hazard a guess that is uh due to 100 due to the cork and yeah you just best off with, if you bought it from a decent retailer they would refund your money yeah but you didn't you bought it from a mate so 
you just got to move on basically and accept that one. The only but, other, um, the only other thing because of bottle variation, because you, you, they probably got them next to each other, is most likely the cork is the major variable. Um, the only other variable is storage conditions, and it's unlikely that they're stored differently. The two bottles that they had, um, but there is a potential that one of them got heat affected. Um, and the other one didn't. Um, can't really explain how you would have that separated. You'd have so much separation between two bottles that should be stored next to each other. But anyway, um, it might be a heat-affected issue. You've cooked the wine. Um, but, yeah, I think it's more likely with the cork. I, t- I totally agree. It is. Um, and, and the great thing about having a second wine is yeah you you can tell that second wine may not have come out of the same batch it may be a different cork batch um any number of reasons so it's not necessarily the wine as i said at the start you know there can be 17 different faults 11 of them can come from the actual cork the piece of tree bark you put in the top the other six or six or so can come from the winery poor wine making bad cleanliness and so on but i agree with uh, that with would Morris. affect yeah if if it was one of those other things it would affect more than one bottle yeah yeah absolutely it'll refer um it'll be all of it but thank you thanks for getting involved paul uh, i hope we answered the question this week <laughs> moving on f- final part of today's show actually i want to know is shiraz back ladies and gentlemen luke morris in particular what is australia's favorite variety come at me you're, you're at the forefront what uh, what's uh, the favorite? I, do you know what? I didn't know it went anywhere. You you're asking us if it's back. I had um I don't have the stats in front of me, but I asked work uh what their their top selling lines were. And of the top ten wines, there were seven of them were Shiraz. Well wow. Pino, I think, came in at of the top 50, I think Pinot came in at about 47. Really? Yeah. I can find the stats. I'll, I'll, I'll dig them out and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you to them next, next, next week. Hang, hang in there, listener. I'll give you a, a breakdown. But Shiraz was um, far, far and above everything else. Um, we do sell I, – I, the, the, the company sells in, in bulk – Small margins, but bulk bulk uh, clearance center, and a lot of people are buying. Uh, it's a lot of people who are buying wine for as cheap as they can get it, and I guess that's just a, a representation of one of the reasons Pinot wouldn't be higher up there is because Pinot being an in-demand grape varietal that has low production. It's just, if you want to buy it, you have to pay pretty much close to full price. Whereas Shiraz, there's so much out there. Um, that's why we're getting access to Shiraz. But like, when you say so much out there, you mean diversity in style or every region produces it, that kind of thing? I'm just, just there's just so many sticks in the ground. There's so many vineyards that are Shiraz-based. Like a lot of it is McLaren Vale, Barossa, Shiraz, but you still get Shiraz planted everywhere. But yeah, going back to the principle of 
isn't the most popular varietal, well, it's the most planted varietal and it sells the most bottles of wine. So, yes. It'd be interesting to know what... what <laughs> It'd be so you reckon it's back in a big way. You don't reckon it ever left. It'd be interesting to know the breakdown uh -huh. if, when we come back um, to the next show and talk about that. But it'd be interesting to know what the breakdown is between single variety and blends. Like, do blends rank higher, or is it still single varieties? Oh, as definitely you say, single varietal. Definitely yeah, single right. varietal. Okay. Well, it's still so. I I. The difference probably between us is that you work with people who are trying to find the interesting, obscure wines. And so, and, and, and we chat often about different blends, different varietals, different regions, different, but punter on the street that goes into buy a bottle of wine to drink that night they still, you know, blend is still considered something that is inferior to a single varietal and uh, Shiraz is still considered the, the big red and that's that's the end of the story. <laughs> that's, that's, those, are the, those are the two big, big keys. I'll give you an example, Campbell. Please. Please. Um, this, this, this to me is an example of people trying to think outside the box and not realising that the box exists for a reason. Um, aged Coonawarra Riesling. Right. You think, say, a 2012 Coonawarra Riesling, how much would you pay for that? Maybe that's not the right question, but let's just ask it. How much would you pay for that? Uh, between 15 and $19. So they were trying to sell that at $30 a bottle. Ooh. And I said, yeah, people do. There's not that many people drinking Riesling. Not that many people love aged Riesling. And not that many people are after Coonawarra Riesling. That wouldn't be high in my Riesling regions of the world. Yeah. They were convinced they were going to sell a, a buttload of it because... Uh, aged Riesling is cool. And I said, yeah, aged Riesling is cool, but aged Coonawarra Riesling isn't in demand. Whereas if you just said Brossa Shiraz, easy, lay down Mazir. It's mm. something that everybody, those, those, are, those are touchstones and people trust immediately. And if it's aged or, or young, there's a, there's, a, there's a big market for it. But Riesling even though it's a great thing, is still not got that bigger market that you can just say, yes, yeah, aged Riesling, sure. It's from, I'm trying to think of somewhere that's less exciting than Coonawarra. Uh, what's less exciting than Coonawarra Riesling for? Jeez. <laughs> uh, what, what's less exciting? Well, we, we love our Coonawarra brethren out there. We're not saying your wines are unexciting. Oh, We're God, just no. Specifically... We're drilling well, down on on Coonawarra yeah, Riesling. If I said Tasmanian Riesling, there's oh. If I said uh, Hunter Riesling, I don't know. Hunter is Hunter got a Riesling culture to it? Is it? No, not anymore. No? See, that's a that's a that would be an example. Wouldn't I? Wouldn't yeah. badmouth Hunter, but saying aged Hunter Riesling, I'm not going to get yeah. a stampede. You're not going to pick <laughs> that off the shelf in yeah. any hurry. But and for yeah. the same reason, you know, Coonawarra, like warm climate, 
um, clay uh, soils, you know, not really where Riesling likes schist and calcium and loam and white soils and cold, like they're the antithesis of the region. So yeah. I'm picking up where you're putting down, Luke Moss. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I only bring that up as an example of that opposite. So sometimes looking at the opposite helps you realise that the thing you're staring at. So the thing we're staring at is, is Shiraz coming back? I argue it never ran away because it's always been a very big staple that people know and love. Even, even if you and I are, are quite interested in, I was going to say talking about Boalo. <laughs> we might be, but I don't know if that's the biggest seller at something like Dan Murphy's. Yeah. Fair bump. Play on. Yeah. And with why, that... What, what do you think? What do you think? What, what, why do you think Shiraz is coming back or why do you I think just, it went away? Well, as you, as you know, um, just just personally, I went on a little bit of a, a Grenache journey late last year. Single variety, blend mm, with yeah. food, without, with a straw in a magnum. However I could get my Grenache, I was kind of getting it in. And I, I found... I found like-minded brethren came with me, like, and they yep. weren't drinking Shiraz, and people, nor were people putting Shiraz in the cellar. They were putting Cabernets and European wines, and I thought just for a moment, until you <laughs> gave me the actual, until you gave me the actual news and the facts, Luke Morris, that Shiraz may have went away. But your very logical point of view, which is what I love about you, Luke Morris, is it stands to reason. It's the most planted. It's never going away. And it's most delicious. It's it's not back. It's just omnipresent. I think I'd say that uh, I'd, I'd agree with you. I've seen an uptick in people being interested in Grenache, which has shocked and delighted me because <laughs> I'd, I'd much rather be selling Grenache to people than Shiraz. But um, the, the the percentage wise isn't isn't the same. But I, I think it would be interesting. I, I and I don't know how to get the the statistics on this but um what kind of if you're looking at growth markets you'd probably say shiraz isn't seeing huge growth it's you just maintaining whatever growth it was having and so it's just continuing on its upward trajectory but without any you know it'll, it'll be in line with inflation to 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 quote um uh banking terms whereas Grenache, I imagine, would have had a spike. I think it's gone. I think it's had a sudden upswing, so which is above inflation, because it's 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 had a greater interest has dropped on it. But you know, it's still it's still not at the same height. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Totally agree. But I'm glad you put me back on the straight and narrow, Luke Morris. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of our uh, afternoon here talking all things wine and popular culture. But, hey, thanks thanks to you. Thanks to the listening audience. Luke Morris, we can find him on the World Wide Web. You can find me on the World Wide Web. Um, and we are Luke's Talk Wine. And in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. It can be really hard to justify opening a bottle of wine from the cellar on a Tuesday night when all you want is one glass. And that's why we've started Unbottled Wines. We're delivering seasonally curated, 
ultra-premium wines from acclaimed Australian winemakers. These are wines that have never before seen the inside of a box, and may never again. Why a box? Because the box keeps wine fresh for up to 40 days after it's opened, unlike the bottle, which goes off after three or four. So if you would like to be able to drink exceptional wine one glass at a time, check out Unbottled Wines. Use the code VINIFIED at checkout and save 10%.